welcome to the I Am Not a Victim podcast, a suicide survivor's story of healing from sexual abuse and domestic violence, how to reclaim your voice and own your inner power after trauma. I'm your host, Lauren Coletti. I'm so excited for you to join me on these hard but necessary discussions all about love, healing, sexuality, mental health, spirituality, and more. Thanks for listening. excited to dive into this conversation. I'm joined by David Gates. He is the founder and architect of the Fusion Movement. David, can you say hi to our audience and introduce yourself? Hello. Hi. Yes, I'm David. And Lauren, I am thrilled and privileged to uh, to be on your program today. Thank you. Oh, I'm so happy to have you on. I think that the next few episodes are going to be really juicy and intriguing for our audience today. A majority of my audience do identify as female, so I think this will resonate with a lot of people. So can we just start by a general introduction of what exactly is the fusion movement and how did you come to discover that? Mm, good. Um, you know, I think a lot of things that we do in life are kind of a, a culmination of everything that we've done in our lives up to this point. And Part of my past includes being um, a natural healer, uh, focused mostly on um, body work, and it gave me an opportunity to, to, to help people relieve their pain and suffering as much as I could, but it also gave me an insight into how some of these subtle aspects of the body work, you know, learning about the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system and how that plays um, in our, you know, um, in our lives, as well as, you know, just working that closely with people, you inevitably, uh, learn about what some of their beliefs and perceptions and motivations and things are, um, and how that affects them right down to the bodily level. Um, another aspect of, of, of who I am has to do with being an innovator and inventor, um, I'm intrigued by seeing things that other people may not see, uh, and whether that, that comes to, in, in, you know, inventing a new product or and bringing it to market or maybe not, but, but, you know, coming across these concepts and that's where, uh, the fusion movement, um, comes into play. Um, another stop along the way I should mention is something that happened a few years ago that I think we all witnessed, and that had to do with the confirmation hearings of, of Brett Kavanaugh. And I think it was so important because of its impact on the court, on female reproductive rights, uh, among other things. And I think what we remember seeing there was a very together Dr. Blasey Ford talking about her experience um, of events and mixed in with her expertise. I remember her talking about, you know, the role the hippocampus plays in, in, in events of trauma. And um, what we saw on the other side was somebody talking about how they like beer. And uh, that was viewed in large part by a mostly male audience that was just full of smoke screens and obfuscating and rationalizing and, and all that. It was just frustrating to watch, I think. But if you remember, something else happened as well. And that was when these two women confronted Senator Flake in the uh, elevator. And in very emotional terms, they laid out what their experience was. And it was kind of a turning point, not ultimately in the confirmation, but something, I, I saw something there. And that is that for women to um, make 
real changes in female empowerment, um, they have to do it in, in a way that takes the, the conversation to their home court and, and out of the, the male obfuscating and rationalizing, uh, mentalizing of things into emotion and emotion and sexuality are very closely related. Mm-hmm. Um, in, the, in the fusion movement, one of the uh, themes that runs throughout is uh, female primacy. And one of the uh, senior tenets of female primacy is, and this, this is, again, something that some people don't know, or they maybe dismiss it as a factoid, and that is that everybody, every person who's born starts off in the womb as female. Um, and, then, and, that, and that will continue uh, unless there is some sort of mitigating or some sort of interference. And that, that interference comes uh, with the presence of the Y chromosome, right? And starting at about uh, age or week six of pregnancy, tremendous uh, hormonal changes take place in the womb. And um, what ensues is a, a testosterone-induced battle where the developing male embryo literally suppresses and overcomes the female. Um, and if there was any doubt that that was a battle, every person born as a male carries a genital scar that runs up the scrotum, right? And that, um, that battle continues and you know, it doesn't stop at birth either when 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 boys and, and men grow up having raised a son myself um you know they'll take a stick and turn it into a gun or a spear right and that conquer and control mechanism is something that that carries into our everyday lives everything that's happening in ukraine right now is just another example of that conquer and control mechanism that um started very early on in the womb um, so that, that, that switch gets flipped and, you know, bodily, uh, you know, essentially, a, a, a male is a female that has been bathed in testosterone for seven months, right? The, uh, the clitoris becomes the penis and, um, you know, essentially, um, women created men. And that's not what we heard when we grew up, right? When our religious upbringing uh, says that man came first and uh, that women came second uh, from a rib, right? Go figure. So um, see, the other thing that happens though as well, and and I know you know this because of your studies, is that internally there's a, a switch that gets flipped as well. And I don't know if it has to do with the fact that you know, women are comprised of two X chromosomes. They're kind of complete in and of themselves. And that's another tenant of, of female primacy. And that is that female unity. And in males, that switch gets flipped. And, and with a Y chromosome, it is like they are magnetically attracted to the feminine. Um, and that, you know, is seen in a lot of different ways. First of all, it's, it's, it seems that the men are always the ones that are more aggressive and, and seeking out uh, female companionship. Um, it, but it's true um, that women complete men, right? And the, uh, the sexual aspect of that as well is that um, 
men are always seeking unity with the feminine. You see, there's a, there's a lot more um, drag queens out there than there are drag kings, right? There is yeah. something about the attractiveness of the female form and the divine feminine. And so um, uh, the, the fusion movement um, has come up with a, um, a technique, if you will, um, we call it the fusion method. And that is where um, we use different elements of uh, erotic play that are gleaned and fused together to form a, a hands-on approach to where women can turn the tables on men and have the advantage in their emotional sexual uh, favor. And the first of those uh, elements um, has to do with the use of, of restraints. Uh, and that's something that's taken from BDSM, right? But it has nothing to do with corporal punishment or inflicting pain. What it does by restraining a man's arms is it immediately puts him in a position of surrender. I mean, when law enforcement, you know, puts handcuffs on people, immediately says, you are under my control. So that's the first element. The second element plays into um, what we just talked about, that um, magnetic attraction to feminine beauty. And in this case, specifically the use of red lipstick. And red lipstick um, is like the, the interface to female eroticism. And most women know that it makes them feel more powerful, but they may not know that it has almost a, a kryptonite effect on men. And you can go to YouTube and see scores of videos where women are, you know, either applying lipstick or doing a kind of a, a lipstick tease and men literally get off in watching that as really yeah. nothing to do with genitalia or anything. It is just that. And it's, it is powerful. I mean, there are, you know, women were branded as witches because they wore red lipstick. And even to this day, um, in parts of the world, women have to cover their faces because it is such a threat to, to men um, and that power behind it. Um, so the red lipstick tease, uh, what happens is a, a woman takes a slightly elevated position in relation to the man, putting her red lips right at his eye level. And it also puts her in a, in a higher position. And we see this in other places in the animal kingdom, birds of paradise, for example, females will not mate with a male unless he is in a subordinate or lower position than the female is. And so uh, the red lipstick tease is, is the second element. And then uh, the third element is sensual touch. And that is where if women have a, uh, understanding of the male anatomy, they'll know that there is a, a structure on the underside of the penis called the frenulum. And that is probably no more than a couple centimeters, you know, in an area, but very rich with, uh, with nerve endings. And just with her thumb, she can bring a man to orgasm in just a matter of minutes, or perhaps more importantly, just shy of that. Okay. So what you have going on here with this, this, this fusion method, this fusing of different elements of erotic play, you have uh, the woman in a position to, in some ways, kind of hold a male hostage through pleasure. And so what's happening is the brain is being, um, you know, bathed in dopamine and other pleasurable brain chemistry. And now his shields are down. 
that is where, um, you know, uh, just, just that itself puts the woman in a, in a superior position, but then she can also use her words, as we call it, words to tease by, and she can start um, suggesting to him certain things. Um, uh, and this could have to do with her interests in a, you know, polyamorous relationship, but he is now open. He is, you've, you've created kind of a, uh, a backdoor hack into uh, the male psyche in that regard in terms of sexuality. Wow, David, I have so many different paths that I could go down, but uh, that was incredible. I'm so interested because it's so true, like between the eroticism and the emotions and the sexuality, it's all intertwined. And you did mention polyamory and open relationships. I feel like in a lot of cultures and societies, it not so much here in American culture. Now it's starting to be brought out more into normalization, thankfully. But I feel like a lot of quote unquote men are resistant to polyamory if the woman initiates. However, if mm-hmm. they initiate it, it's more open and they're more willing to do it. But if the woman says, I want to be in an open relationship, they feel threatened. Can you talk more about that and the implications with female primacy between patriarchy, misogyny, homophobia, men being scared of being seen as feminine. Where does that all come from? Is that societal programming? Are we just conditioned that way? Or is that inherently in our neurological structure? What do you think? Well, I think it's, I think it's a bit of both. Um, and, and boy, do I would like to talk about polyamory. In fact, uh, you know, you may have heard that uh, we're going to be releasing a book soon called Fusion Polyamory. And that has to do with uh, addressing those very things. But it also, again, it relates back to those inherent structures that we have in all of us. And, and, and some of these were, were set up over eons and eons of time. And um, one of those is that females have a, a dual mating pattern um, and, and female sexuality is so much more complex than, than male sexuality, which is fairly one dimensional, but that dual mating pattern of females. The first one is where females seek a, um, a stable environment for um, potentially the raising of offspring, but also just that emotional connection to a partner, um, you know, a life companion, if you will. And the second um, mating pattern of females has to do with always being on the lookout for mating with superior male genes, or at least just novel, something, you know, we say in the book that nature holds diversity as as a must, you know, there's, there's, it's, it's non-negotiable. And mm-hmm. so uh, women will first, um, you know, seek this stable relationship with their life companion, but then they'll also be looking for, for novel male partners. Now, what on the male side of it, and this, this is something that I think very few people know about, and that is that there is um sperm competition among males in that if you look at um, the, the genitals of, of mammals, 
there's two, there's the sperm battles occur in two different places. One outside in the world. And if, if you were going to spend your resources, you will be a, a male that will grow big antlers or horns or whatever tusks have you, and you will win that battle among males in, in a, in a harem holding kind of circumstance. Uh, you'll have access to all the females. Well, in a, in a lot of other mammals, particularly primates, is that those sperm battles occur inside a woman's vagina. And so you look at the testicle size of, of males, and what you see is that, you know, in, in village life or over eons of time, if a male um, discovers that his companion or mate um, is either interested in having uh, sex with another man or does so, what happens is he becomes incredibly aroused. He becomes mm -hmm. very hard. And so the idea is that, that, you know, the shape of the penis is, is designed to go in and scoop out another male's sperm and replace it with his own. And so, uh, you know, and, and oftentimes, you know, when they, when they mate after a woman has had sex with another man, they, they thrust more deeply, they are more erect than at any other time. And so the combination of the dual mating patterns of females combined with sperm competition among males, that that's kind of the foundation for, for the upcoming book. And so again, women, uh, because of the caring cooperation nature of the feminine, in contrast with the conquering control mechanism of men, they, they tend to want to have these polyamorous conversations with men in a kind of the way that they would have a conversation with another woman. And that is they're kind of very emotional hand holding, trying to, again, maybe rationalize with the man why it's a good idea. No, no, I can tell you that the way to do this is to is to um, address the men on that level of sperm competition among other males. And by doing it that way, he will ruminate, he'll ponder, he'll think about this, this possibility. And in a lot of cases, the man will come to the woman and say, um, what do you think about this possibility? Yeah, that sounds healthy in an ideal situation. I feel like personally, a lot of the men that I know, as you mentioned, the words control, they are more willing to control. However, they have more hesitation and resistance around being controlled. So why do you think that a lot of men are afraid to, you mentioned the fusion method. Why is it so scary and vulnerable for men to be dominated rather than to overpower someone else? I think a lot of it is, is cultural, you know, um, you know, toxic masculinity is, uh, you know, being discussed a lot. Um, and the idea that a man shows no emotion and, um, you know, the idea that they need to um, impose on women is something that, again, has been handed down through, through all kinds of different cultures and belief systems. And in the, um, you know, the fusion method is, you know, kind of turns that on its head, and it tells men to be okay with being vulnerable, because that's really what toxic masculinity has to do with is this lack of vulnerability. Um, and then the, you know, male sexual aggression, again, comes with the idea that you can take a young 
um, a young woman, a Dr. Blasey Ford, when she was 15 years old and throw her down on a bed and put your hand over her mouth and, and do what you think is necessary or, you know, it's ridiculous. So the, the fusion method, um, again, is something that we're going to be looking at as a possibility of um, starting with the fusion research project, using the fusion method to counter or address toxic masculinity and male sexual aggression, both on the grassroots level. We're, we're hoping to involve um, women, whether it's on the comp college campus level, um, to, to experiment with this fusion method and see if they can't, um, you know, make some inroads even in their personal relationships. Um, but then on a, on a, on a credentialized um, research level, um, uh, talking with sexologists um, and people that work with men. I mean, there's, there's surrogates right now that, that have direct sexual contact with men. And we're going to look at whether or not the, the fusion method could be used on that level as a way of, you know, addressing, countering male sexual aggression. Mm. Yeah, when it comes to male sexual aggression, that's something that I am... I think more so disturbed, not because of the way that men are built, but I remember reading a research study with uh, undergraduate college men, and I think it was 93% of them said that they would rape a woman if they knew that they could get away with it. So mm. what do you think about finding that balance? Because women are, you know, inherently sex and emotion are intertwined for a lot of women, whereas a lot of men could have sex without any emotion into it. Where do you think mm. that beautiful middle ground, where can we find a balance in between the two? Mm, yes. Well, you hit it right on the head. You're right. And it, I think it starts with understanding the different sexual natures of, of male and female. I mean, um, women tend to be more, uh, associated with, with context and scenario mm -hmm. and, um, males are, are more associated. They're more visually oriented and they're, and, and they're more associated with, with genital stimulation. So, you know, women's reproductive cycle is, is cyclical in that there are times when she is, uh, available to, uh, have, you know, uh, conceive and there's times when they're not. Um, males, on the other hand, and they have to be ready at a, at a moment's notice when the opportunity arises, they're, they're kind of like um, sexual opportunists in that um, if, if, if they were both the same way, then these cycles would have to match up. And that's just kind of not how it works. And, you know, again, it speaks the fact that women can bring another life into this world spe speaks again to, you know, female primacy. And that, uh, you know, the roles of, of, of men in, in other species uh, are, you know, that of, well, take bees, for example, every bee in a, in a hive is, is all female, starting, of course, with the queen, and then the worker bees as well. And drones who come from unfertilized eggs, they don't have a stinger, they can't defend the hive, they can't feed themselves, but their sole purpose is to, to mate with the queen. And so... Um, you know, in terms of, of bridging that gap between the two, there has to be that kind of that understanding that how, how we are different to begin with. And, 
and how um, women have an advantage. I mean, it's been said that, that men can get turned on by putting a quarter into a slot, right? And um, if women understand that, that sexual nature of men, they can, can use that you know, to their advantage in, in erotic play and in, in, in be able to put men in a, in a moral, more vulnerable, sexual, and therefore emotional position. Mm. Beautifully said. I want to wrap up here by asking you a a big question, but why is female primacy important and why should men care about female empowerment? I uh, and this is this is almost like the charter of the fusion movement and that is that I think the more time one spends on the planet, the more you can see that humanity's safe passage into the future is dependent on having a female-led world. Um, the, 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 the conquer and control uh, paradigm that has been in force since, gosh, I don't know, 200,000 years since you know us homo sapiens kind of became the dominant species on the planet that male conquer and control uh thing has has held office for all that time and you know my wife and i talk about just what's going on in the world right now and we say something has got to change Mm -hmm. and that change has to do with this paradigm shift that we talk about in in the fusion movement about shifting towards the feminine um, I think I think our survival as as a race depends on it. Yeah, I could not agree more. One hundred and ten percent. I love that. As you know, I am a female. Identify as a female. A lot of my friends will be talking about these things. I hardly ever hear it. I don't know what your pronouns are, but I love to hear it from you, David, because I feel like we need more role models in this this area. I don't know if you'd agree. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. I mean, I've, I've been told that I'm, I'm um, hopelessly het. Um, and I guess if it, my, one of my roles here uh, with the fusion movement, I guess perhaps is, is maybe that of translator. You remember um, a few years back, the, the five love languages? Yes. <laughs> I think that should be required reading for everybody who's going to be in a relationship because, mm-hmm. you know, my words of affirmation, uh, they fall on deaf ears of my wife who is you know quality time together right Mm -hmm. and like that I guess if there is the role that I play is is that of helping women understand um, what makes men tick and how that language um, can make a difference in in relationships and that's really where it's going to start I mean we can talk about you know big paradigm shifts you know, that affect the world, but it starts in our everyday lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely. That's such a, a great book for anyone to read, especially if they're in partnership. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think of feminism? Do you consider yourself to be a feminist? Yes, but feminism, I think has, has, um, has been evolving and changing. um, And where feminism has sought to create equality through social, political, and economic means, all those fronts have to continue. 
for sure. But where you know where we go with the fusion movement again is, is it has to do with using another approach, an approach that puts the home court advantage in in women's favor. You know, mm-hmm. um, so do do I identify as a feminism? As a feminist, absolutely. But feminism can have so many different meanings to different people. Mm. I love it. Well said. This is super cool stuff. I'm so happy that I had the chance to have you on today because I haven't had someone deep dive into this uh, area specifically. It's usually either polyamory or eroticism. It kind of all ties together. So I feel like that's super important work. Yeah, thank you so much. I I agree. I think there's, there's themes that run through all of this, that they're all interconnected and intertwined together for sure. When you see the big picture, you kind of see uh, how this all plays mm. with one another. So yes, thank you. yes, absolutely. Can you tell people more about your upcoming book and where they could check out the fusion movement? Uh, uh, the website is uh, fusionmovement.com. Um, the book Fusion Polyamory, I guess, is, is still in editing. So, you know, that will be coming out fairly soon i hope um that's a hint and so um look for that uh on the website you know when it's available and uh, it'll be a an ebook it'll be downloadable um so that's the main point of contact is uh fusionmovement.com uh if you want to reach out we're on social media facebook and instagram as well as share at fusionmovement.com as the email address. Awesome. Thank you so much. This is a really fun conversation. And I thank you so much for coming on. I will be sure to link all of those in the show notes for people to contact you and check out your work. Oh, thank you so much, Lauren. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the I Am Not a Victim podcast, a suicide survivor's story of healing from sexual abuse and domestic violence, how to reclaim your voice and own your inner power after trauma. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you are loving the show, please feel free to reach out to me via Instagram at Lauren M. Coletti or subscribe to become a paid contributor to my work. Thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you in the next episode. Music.